The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church. Of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today's teaching comes from FIBC Senior Pastor. Senior Pastor, N. Eric Nielsen. Many years ago on Easter Sunday, I told a story of a Welsh Valley funeral. Now, this was more about six years ago, so I'm assuming that no one was here back then. Or if you were, you probably forgot the story. But it was a very typical Welsh Valley funeral. The service, as was tradition, was held in the home, and all the windows and doors were open so that the people in the house that were mourning the loss of this man could hear the minister. And at the close of the service, the coffin was carried out into the front room and then out onto the steps leading down to the roadside. The casket was followed by the widow and the closest family members. And as the coffin appeared, a man waiting outside broke into song. The light of the morning is breaking. The shadows are passing away. And so as the pallbearers reached the foot of the steps, one of them stumbled. And the casket dropped to the ground and the lid flew open. And the dead corpse stirred and suddenly revived. Well, five years later, the same man died again. And at the close of the service, the coffin was carried out out of the front room and out onto the steps leading down to the roadside just like last time. The casket was followed by the widow and the immediate family just as at the last time. But as the coffin appeared, the widow decides to stand in front of the coffin. The man out there sings, the light of the morning is breaking, the shadows are passing away. And behind the widow came the coffin. And as she went down the steps first, then the pallbearers arrived, and then she said to them, "Uh, be careful of that step, please. I'll wait for some of you to figure out what was that was all about. You know, most days we don't face the sorrow and grief of death. Am I agreed? Although when we do face the sorrow and the grief of death, those are the times we need to have that confidence that death is not the end. If you have ever lost a loved one, You are probably even now taking great comfort in knowing that there will come a day when those of us who are in Christ Jesus will be raised from the dead and we will meet our loved ones once again. And friends, that confidence just doesn't come out of thin air. That confidence can only come from your faith in Jesus Christ. And your faith in the scriptures being true that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain in the kingdom of heaven where all of us who are in Christ will live eternally with Christ and with all who are in Christ. That faith is not a vague hope. It is a confidence based on the words of Jesus Christ himself who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And friends, that claim of Jesus Christ was not just made and then never defended. 
That claim is established on the fact that Jesus' own tomb was empty, that he rose victorious over, his, over death, and that his resurrected body was witnessed and seen and experienced by so many. And Easter Sunday is a great day to remember that death is not the end for those of us who are in Christ, those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for our sins. And so today I want us to remember those game-changing words of Jesus Christ, I am the resurrection and the life. He spoke those words to a family who was in mourning, a funeral service for a man named Lazarus. He was being mourned by his sisters Mary and Martha, and today we're going to focus on those game-changing words of Jesus Christ that he spoke that day to them, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know what I mean when I talk about game-changers? By definition, Merriam-Webster says a game-changer is a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. For example, you're about to close on a house. This was your dream house, you're ready to buy it, the banks have approved it, you're ready to close on the house, and the only thing you're waiting for is the lab analysis from the damp that they found in the basement. Well, when that lab analysis comes back that what's in the basement is actually hazardous, that's a game changer, right? Or let's say you're about to invest in a corporation, and you know that this corporation is gonna do well because they have an invention they've created and they're just waiting for the patent office to award them a patent. Well, when you find out that they won't get the patent because someone else has invented it first, friends, that's a game changer. Well, here we are at the funeral of a man named Lazarus with his two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're mourning the loss of this man, and Jesus says these game-changing words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this, he asked Martha? If you will, you can turn with me to John chapter 11. Last week, when we celebrated Palm Sunday and the, the theme of from mourning into dancing, Austin shared also from this story, and I'm going to try to launch from what was said last week into the, the truth of Christ's statement and the fact of his resurrection and how it affirms everything he said here at this uh, funeral service. Verse 17 of John chapter 11. You can follow along with me. On his arrival, it says, John chapter 11, verse 17, on his arrival there where Mary and Martha were mourning the loss of their brother, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, when Jesus arrived in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four days. He had received word some time ago to come immediately. The word was, Lord, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. And at the time, he lingered. It seems odd that Jesus didn't come immediately when the word arrived so urgently. At the time, he said, this sickness will not end in death and chose to stay a little bit longer where he was. And then he finally said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And when he said that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Now, it's not surprising then that the disciples thought Jesus was speaking of a natural sleep. Because remember, he had said, this sickness will not end in death. So they must have been surprised when Jesus later said to them very plainly, well, Lazarus is dead. After all, he had said their sickness wouldn't end in death. But see, Jesus' words had given his disciples some clues as to why he waited, because he had also told them this, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it when he said that the sickness would not end in death. He said, I am going to wake him up. And upon the declaration that Lazarus was dead, Jesus said, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. So you see, the scene was set for Jesus to come and not only say he is the resurrection and the life, but to prove to all who would be there to witness that he truly is the resurrection and the life. And as we just read, Mary or Martha met Jesus first as he was approaching and Jesus declares, your brother will rise again. Of course, Martha's thinking, yes, I understand. The resurrection day, he will rise again. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those game-changing declarations that changes the situation forever. Martha called her sister Mary. Mary came out to meet him. And she, too, expressed a faith that if only you had been here sooner. So what they believed about Jesus was still limited to being able to heal Lazarus from sickness. 
not necessarily to, re to restore Lazarus from death. Now, I don't know if you noticed as I read the account, but John is very careful to note how emotional this scene was. I don't know if you could picture in your mind's eye what was happening. But remember, there were many who were with Mary comforting her. Remember how Mary fell at Jesus' feet weeping. Remember that those who were with Mary were also weeping and that Jesus himself wept, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And as he approached the tomb, John notes as well, he was again deeply moved. But see, these game-changing words transforms the whole circumstance when he says to Lazarus, come out. For the benefit of the people standing here, he said, that, you may that they may believe that you sent me. It was all to demonstrate that when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he truly not only means it, but he proves it. And many, it says later on in, the book of, in uh, that chapter, that, that many put their faith in Jesus, and that's when the word got out to the Pharisees. That made them nervous that Jesus had the power and the abilities to even raise the dead to life. Now think again as we uh, turn a few pages over to what Jesus then said to his disciples. So he transformed that mourning scene into one of celebration and joy. John doesn't continue the account to let us know that they celebrated with Lazarus coming back again from the dead. But Jesus later on with his own disciples also predicts that their sorrow will be turned to joy. He gave them clues like that a kernel of wheat needs to fall to the ground and die for it to produce many seeds, or else it will remain as only one seed. He gave them clues when he was back in Mary and Martha's home, and Mary began washing his feet with a very expensive perfume, and he said that this perfume was being saved for his burial, because you will not always have me. He said to them, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. So then came the series of game-changing words that he gave to his own disciples. If you would like to follow, you can follow with me in John chapter 16, where he declares his power over, over death to them. John chapter 16, verse 19, excuse me, verse 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. And then verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so they said to him, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. So then he gives an example. I think all of us would be familiar with this or at least have seen or witnessed this, that when a woman gives birth to a child, there is sorrow and grief for a while. But that sorrow and grief is overshadowed by the joy of a newborn child. Jesus predicted the fact that he would be dead and buried, but that they would once again see him again because he would rise from the grave. And friends, today here we are on Easter Sunday celebrating the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, that the tomb was empty, 
And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, anyone might be able to claim that, but not everyone can be raised from the dead or can raise others from the dead. It is true, the disciples said, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon after Jesus had met them on the road to Emmaus, when he was raised from the dead. And then no matter how much the religious leaders tried to silence the excitement of the disciples, they went on to preach in Jesus' name and heal by the power of the Holy Spirit that was in them. Just as Jesus had said to them, you will have a joy that no one can take away. His sorrow over his crucifixion and burial was replaced by a joy that no one can take away. Now, friends, I know that you don't face death every day. And maybe the words of Jesus Christ when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, are not all that game-changing to you today. So I began looking at what are the other things that Jesus said throughout the Gospels that are game-changing words that might affect each one of us on a regular basis. Because if Jesus could say, I am the resurrection and the life, and not only raise a person from the dead and prove that he is the resurrection and the life by being raised from the dead, then what are all those other things that he has also said and claimed that to you and me today could make a change, could be the game-changing words we need to hear? Now, of course, there's a lot of them, and we don't have a whole lot of time, do we? I once heard a story about a, a pastor who said that, um, you know, today I have a $100 sermon, I have a $50 sermon, and I have a $20 sermon. In a moment, we're going to pass out the offering plate. The $100 sermon is an hour long. The $50 sermon is 30 minutes long. And the $20 sermon is only 10 minutes long. So we'll pass the offering plate and see which sermon you'd like. I'll wait till some of you get that one, too. But in order to be a little bit brief today, I'm just going to give you a few examples of the things that Jesus said that I hope for you this week are going to be game-changing words. Because you might not be mourning the loss of a loved one even today. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says to his disciples, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Wow, to think that those of you who are grieving and mourning could be considered blessed. Those could be game-changing words for you this week. You know, think about the Apostle Paul who suffered trouble, and the more he experienced trouble, the more he experienced a comfort that could only come from God. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. Those are Jesus' words to you. The Apostle Paul was under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life, he writes to the Corinthians. But the comfort they received during such trials made it possible for them to comfort others. What is it that might cause you to grieve and mourn this week? A health setback? Being betrayed by a friend? Being dumped by a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus said, for they will be comforted. I don't know where you seek your comfort, whether in drink or in eating or in shopping. Whatever mechanism you seem to find your temporary relief from mourning, seek your comfort instead in Christ. What are some of his other game-changing words? Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, when he says, Do not worry what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you ever worry about your future? What about this week? Would you worry about your future this week? Yes, I know you may have insurance guarding you against the unexpected. Yes, you have probably an alarm system or locks on your, on your uh, doors. Maybe you have a healthy pension plan that helps you feel secure about your future. Yet, somehow we still feel occasionally insecure about our future. Economies are in decline. Debts are on the rise. Internet, er, interest rates are in flux. You know, I was thinking about why do they call investments, securities. Those investment documents and bonds that you buy, why are they called securities? Because they're supposed to make you feel secure, aren't they? Well, Jesus' game-changing words are, do not worry what you shall eat or drink or wear, because your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Are you going to trust Jesus' words? Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. He says to his disciples, If you then, know, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Game-changing words, friends. Your heavenly Father is a good Father who wants to give you good gifts. Now, a lot of us know how to take care of others. We see the needs. We have the resources to help. We lend a helping hand. We're there for people. But what about you? Who's going to help you when you need it? And Jesus says to us, ask, seek, knock, because the Heavenly Father is ready to give good gifts to those who asked Him. What have you needed that you haven't yet begun to ask the Heavenly Father? Why haven't you asked Him? You think He's not interested? You think He's not capable? Maybe it's not a righteous or a good thing you're wanting and asking for? Maybe the need that you have today, the game-changing words you need to hear is ask, and it will be given to you. Or how about this, Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. When Jesus comes back to Capernaum, a paralytic comes to him, being born by his four friends, and Jesus speaks these words that take everyone by surprise. He says to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Game-changing words. Only God can forgive sins. The teachers of the law who were there, they immediately took those words to be blasphemous. And Jesus knew their thoughts and proved that he had every right to utter the words, your sins are forgiven, because the next thing he said was, take up your mat and go home. And when he got up and went home, he Jesus was then proving that he could do the more difficult thing of saying, your sins are forgiven you. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you have sinned again and again. Maybe you think God is tired of you. Maybe it's the same repeated sins, so grievous you feel God is still angry with you. Maybe the words you need to hear that change your situation today is, son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Romans chapter 8 tells us, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, far from land, the middle of a raging storm. They, they feared they were going to die. 
Jesus appears walking to them on the water, unhindered by the wind and the waves. And what does he say to them? He says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Proving he is the Lord of all nature, the master of the universe who is in control and has all power, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Maybe you're in the midst of some kind of an upheaval in your family. Maybe the company you work for, the business you're in is going through major changes. Maybe there's something major that you have to get through this week or accomplish. And the game-changing words you need to hear this week is the master of the universe, the Lord of all heaven, saying to you, it is I, do not be afraid. Matthew chapter 19 Going on with this theme of what Jesus is able to do, Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. Have you thought about that? In the midst of whatever impossible situation you happen to be in, maybe a relationship that's impossible to reconcile, maybe a marriage that's impossible to salvage, maybe a task that's impossible for you to complete, a deadline that you cannot meet, maybe a disease that cannot be cured. The game-changing words you need to hear is that with God, all things are possible. And then, finally, the words of Jesus Christ, not found in the Gospels, but revealed to the Apostle Paul when he was in the midst of a trial where he asked again and again for this thorn in the flesh to be removed from him. Jesus uttered to him these game-changing words, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe for you it's another time of testing, another hardship, another trial or temptation, and you are just too weak or weary to make it through another one. Would you listen to Jesus' game-changing words? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was a game-changer for Paul, because now, now he would delight in his weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, he says, because those are the times when Christ's power is made perfect and revealed in him. So friends, when you consider again, today is Easter Sunday, and Jesus said the words, I am the resurrection and the life. He proved he is the resurrection and the life. He raised Lazarus from the dead and just as he had predicted and told his disciples that he would die and he would be raised from the dead, then all of the other things that he taught have the foundation of truth behind them because he is the resurrection and the life. So remember that resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's a good time to remember all of the other game-changing words. Which one is the one that means the most to you today? Of all those that you've heard him say, which one is it going to be this week that's going to be significant? Remember, death is not the end for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I hope you don't have to go through a period of mourning this week, but maybe there's something else that you're going through where you need to hear Jesus' game-changing words. Let us pray. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.vk or facebook.com forward slash FIBCCPH. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.